guys, welcome to a new episode of Sauce of the Scary. Derek Zoo, Jeff Wright here with you. Back in the studio together again, Jeff Wright. Yeah, baby. It's been way too long. It's good to see your face. You too, man. I want to just stare into your eyes. I know. I kind of just want to stroke your cheeks lovingly, but I... I mean, what's stopping you? Wow. It's just a... It's a. It's an audio podcast. They'll never know. <laughs> we'll be back after these messages. This week, we're uh, starting the 10-week Jordan Peele diet, my man. Yeah, or 11. Is it 11? To be discussed in oh, yeah. The Horror Reporter. Okay. Which... Is it 10 weeks or 11? It's been pushed back. I know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I'm salty about it. I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. we will talk about that in the Horror Reporter. But right now, let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. Derek, to commemorate being back in the same room, we just watched a set of trailers together. I know it. Do you see how much I love you? You show up, and I'm I'm just, I'm a, I'm a better version of myself, Terry. I didn't have to clockwork orange you or anything. It was amazing. You just, you sit right down. You said, let's watch these trailers. I said, bye, George. Let's do it. This is better than Christmas for me, Derek, so uh, don't be surprised. I'm not. I'm not at all. So let's talk about these three trailers that you and I just sat down and watched. The first one is we saw the second trailer for the movie Prodigy. Now, we've talked about Prodigy before. I, I can't remember if we talked about it. I think it was kind of just a throwaway thing, right? In Jeff, Jeff Hayes trailers, you said, hey, I just watched this trailer this week. It was nuts. It was in one of the movies you saw, right? It was in the same movie. I can't remember which one it was, but I saw it the same time I saw the trailer for The Possession of Hannah Grace. Okay. And I was excited for both of them. And so I'm hoping the Prodigy lives up to its yeah, promise. I hope the Prodigy uh, does better than the Possession of Hand of Grace, for sure. So uh, we so we watched the first, or talked about the first trailer, and it has a crazy jump scare at the end of it. So uh, we went to watch the second trailer, and you told, or I, I mentioned, hey, let's watch this Prodigy trailer, because it's the only one that I knew about. And you said, well, I'm pretty sure we've already talked about that movie on the show. We watched it anyway. It looks like a completely different movie. 100%. I don't know what to expect from the movie now. Yeah. Because... Uh, there's a there's a previous film that has somebody's going to tell me I should have seen this movie and be able to quote it off the top of my head, but it has a wonderful female actor. Who's the lady who played Hella in the latest Thor? Oh man, Kate uh, Blanchett. It's not Kate Blanchett. It's somebody. There's a there's a prominent female actress. Tilda Swinton. It may be Tilda Swinton. In we've got to talk about Kevin. Okay. Which is about some kind of uh, disturbed kid that she has custody of. I've never seen it, but I think it's pretty well regarded. So trailer one looks like, I don't know, is it is it wrong to say The Exorcist? No, like The Exorcist, what, The Babadook? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. And trailer two looks like it's all about disturbed kids. It was Tilda Swinton. Okay, good deal. Let's talk about Kevin. Well done. You know what? A lot of people think that Tilda Swinton and Kate Blanchett, they get them mixed up. Well, I may be one of those people. I am one of those people, so it yeah. makes sense. So anyway, it, it, it's either going to be a movie about a disturbed kid who hurts people, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a movie about a possessed kid, who or it's going to be both. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to get hurt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, nothing in that in the second trailer made me as excited for the movie as that jump scare at the end of the first trailer. One hundred percent. So I don't know what's going to happen. Which the you know my whole gripe about trailers, we already know what could be the best part of that movie. Yeah, because this e- either trailer or both that you watch. I kind of feel like I've seen all these ideas before in a yeah. previous horror movie. Yeah, this falls into that category of perfectly acceptable horror. Trademark saw something scary 2019. That's right. Join our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. And that comes out uh, February the 8th, right? I believe that's what it said. February the 8th was the when the project came out. So, so we got to catch that one and do like a double episode on the run up to us then. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll have to do that again with uh, Happy Death Day to You. Yeah. Is there anything else between now and March that we're like definitely going to watch? Well, I mean. Oh, my gosh. How did I forget? Uh, that yeah. that was a loaded throat clearing right there. Yeah, Mr. Glass next week. Yeah. Derek, uh, sidebar here. Okay. You got me freaked out about Glass. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think everybody knows. I'm much more enthusiastic about Shyamalan than you are. No, 100%. But you have pulled off Inception. I'm now deeply skeptical about this movie. Yeah. Actually, we're not even recording this podcast right now. You're still asleep. <laughs> Give him the kick. <laughs> I just fell out of my chair. <laughs> What happened? Yeah, so we got Glass, we got The Prodigy, and we got Happy Death Day to You. Yes. Plus the run-up to us. Okay. Well, so, I guess, all things said, we're going to watch The Prodigy then, since we're talking about the trailer. Sure. Yeah, that was kind of assumed. Yeah. If uh, if we don't get it in the first run in the movie theater, then we'll get it uh, when it comes to digital or red box or whatever the situation is. But yeah. I'm, I'm interested enough that I'll give it a watch. Yeah. I mean, under your perfectly acceptable or yeah. it, it'll probably scratch the itch for that week. I think know. so. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So second trailer that we watched was The Hole in the Ground. Is that what it was called? Yes. Which was the third trailer for Prodigy. Right. Or the uh, second Babadook movie. The Irish Babadook. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what yeah, we yeah, finally yeah, settled on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, really, that kind of covers it, doesn't it? The Irish Prodigy is what it looked like. Another kid-possessed movie, this time set in the beautiful hills of Ireland. It's an A24 pickup, mm-hmm. which is what got me interested in looking at the trailer anyway. But like we said with The Prodigy, it looks like a movie I've seen other versions. Yeah, including right before it in The Prodigy. Right. So there is the addition of a giant hole in the ground. Yes. Um, the aforementioned name. Yeah, we... We, so we have a disturbed kid in a hole in the ground. Maybe this is a Boba Fett origin story. <laughs> you didn't know the Sarlacc lived in Ireland, but now we know. They now let the know. secret out of the bag or out of the hole in the ground. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way that I would want to watch this movie. Oh, it's already, it's there for you. Yeah, huh? I don't care anything about that movie. N- there was nothing in that trailer that made me go, oh, I should watch this. Not even the A24 logo? No. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm as big on A24 movies as you are. Yeah. Because, like, Hereditary was an A24 movie, and I thought it was middle of the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. You didn't like Lady Bird at all. I hated Lady Bird. I kind of liked Lady Bird. Oh, did uh, did A24 release It Follows? That sounds right. Dude, that's... Pr- yeah, you probably don't like A24 uh, as much as I have movie. to watch that friggin' movie. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, you do. I'm so mad about that. What else has A24 done that I've liked? I don't know. But yeah, if... I'm trying to make sure that that's true about A24. It Follows... Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. All right. We've established this. You do not like that label as much as I do. But guess what, buddy? A24 also did freaking Tusk. Yeah, that's true. It did. So there's that. I, uh. Oh, they did The Witch. How do we forget The Witch? We like The Witch. That's true. We do like The Witch. Anything else on this we liked? They did The Monster, which I enjoyed. I don't know if you ever end up seeing that. I saw it on Amazon Prime. I don't believe so. Car wreck, mom and kid who can't get along, and they end up being tormented by something out in the woods. Uh-huh. I think it's worth checking out. The last movie star, I think that was that Burt Reynolds film. Yeah, it was. That was a decent little film. I'm still salty about it because I didn't get, uh, I auditioned for a part and didn't get it. Ah, oh, yeah. garbage. Yeah. Um, they've done other good stuff. So they did. It comes at night. Yeah, it comes at night. The uh, Disaster Artist was a 24. Okay, I'll take that. 
So, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't care for the Black Coach Daughter, which they did. The Florida Project got a ton of Oscar buzz last year. I thought First Reformed was hot garbage. Uh, eighth Grade was great, though. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but that was a great film. Uh, so, yeah, A24, kind of like Bloomhouse, maybe? Like, you know what? I think I like A24 as long as they're not doing horror, and it's not named Lady Bird. Okay. That, that's the rule of thumb, then. Yeah. Okay. Because they, they did another movie called Swiss Army Man that was real. It was quirky. It had uh, Harry Potter in it, where he was like a dead body. Yeah, I think he was the dead body, and like this guy was talking to him, and he was trying to get him from one place to the other. Well, it was really, I'm telling you, quirky. And then The Lobster, do you ever see that movie with Colin Farrell, where like, if you didn't find a, a, a partner, they turned you into an animal? Is that not what, was this like a follow-up to Tusk? <laughs> yeah, it was, actually. That would be why I didn't see this. Yeah, thing. Justin Long was in it, he was like, someone marry me! <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, that movie got made and released, man. That happened in the real world. Oh, man. I don't even really like that movie. I just wanted you to have to watch it. Yeah, I don't. Also, I also do not really like that movie. And uh, that's been the biggest test of our friendship thus far. So, the hole in the ground, Eric. You're, you're, you're just doing a hard pass. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm out on that one. I'm probably going to watch this one. Um, I'll let you tell me if it's worth taking a gander at it. Yeah, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the Mandalorian. And... Uh, Eventually, it's going to spit him up, and he's going to come out singing Andy's song, I Fell in a Pit. That's the best Andy uh, yeah, I, I can. Yeah. yeah. So that, that happened. There's a trailer called hey, The Hole in the Ground that we watched. Speaking of which, have you heard about Chris Pratt's dad bod coming back and how all the women are thirsty for it on social media? No, but I remember a certain raccoon telling him that he was one sandwich away from being fat. So. Yeah. So he just owned it. Yeah, he's. Uh, there's some pictures of him that have developed. Now that he's dating uh, one of the Schwarzenegger girls, and uh, yeah, that's happening. That's Catherine, a maybe. Catherine that's a curious family to get involved with yeah. to then give up on fitness. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 a religious man. I, I think Chris Pratt's basically the highest profile evangelical at this point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm completely unaware of changes in his body. Uh, as odd as that may sound, but hey, more power to him. We need we need better. Uh, Big guy body role models. Yeah, I'm just telling you, man. The dad bod's in. So okay. Well, hey, I'm. I mean, I'm a trendsetter. I'm out ahead of it. Uh, You've officially become the most handsome man on this podcast. <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. I mean, unofficially, you always were. But <laughs> let's not get carried away. That's official. Just me and Chris Pratt. We look a lot alike. It's true. It's definitely the case. It is true. When I saw you today, I went, wait a minute. Am I at Star-Lord's mansion? What's going on? Am I doing a podcast with the guy from Jurassic Park? I thought you got sent away, Star-Lord. What's going on here? <laughs> All right. And then the uh, third, to get back on the rails here, uh, the third trailer we saw was for a movie called Mara. And... Uh, yeah. Here, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the synopsis on it. That way, everyone knows what's going on. Well, while you're looking, I'm going to say, too, that there's a theme this week for Jeff Hates Trailers in uh, in in that everything we've looked at is derivative horror. <laughs> Every idea in all three of these movies has been done at least three times prior in other horror movies. It's very true. All right. So, the synopsis is this. When a man is apparently murdered by his wife, Helena, uh, her last name's Handbasket, by the way. <laughs> 
Ba-dum, doom, ching. Ah, come see me, Dayton, Ohio, this weekend. Uh, by his wife, Helena, during the night, the rookie criminal psychologist, Dr. Kate Fuller, is assigned to investigate whether she should go to prison or to an institution. She prom- This doesn't seem like the movie, the trailer we watched at all. She promises to Helena's little daughter, Sophie, that her mother would stay with her. When the woman claims that a demon killed her husband during a sleep paralysis, Dr. Fuller sends her to an institution. However, she decides to investigate the case further and discovers a creepy truth about an ancient demon that attacks people with sleep paralysis. And that demon's name is? Mara. Mm. Played by everybody's favorite creepy, distorted, living human being. Javier Botet. Yeah, the, the real-life plastic man. Yeah. Uh, so we basically need Mara to hook up with Freddy Krueger and become horror's power couple. Yes. That's what's going on. I mean, the, the whole trailer was like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. And I'm like, wait a minute. We made 50, 11 of these before Wes Craven died. Right. So do you think you'll watch Mara? Yeah, I think so. Not not the hole in the ground, but Mara. Yeah, I didn't like, I really wasn't that impressed. Maybe because I just saw the American version of yeah. that movie, and I yeah. was like, I'm not going to watch two of these. Right. That That's completely reasonable. Um, I think, though, the trailer kind of gives away the, the dilemma of the movie. Right. There's a hole in the ground. Uh, <laughs> most definitely that. But also, it appears that there is a sleep demon that oh, terrorizes yeah. people. Not to ruin the suspense for you, but this is why trailers suck. <laughs> Yeah, for real. I think if I'd have just uh, read the synopsis on that, I'd have been like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Let's see mm-hmm. if it's a if it's fabricated or if it's a real thing." But yeah, by the trailer, you're like, "Oh, that's Mara." That's definitely what's going on here. And I doubt Helena is dressing up like this she demon and trying to kill people. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's a reasonable conclusion. One other thing we noted while we were watching the trailer is that uh, the prodigy, and I think this one had like a blood dot on the eye, but Mm -hmm. a different colored eye or an affected eye Mm -hmm. is now a thing in horror movies. And we were trying to figure out the first time we saw it. We definitely saw it in the possession of Hannah Grace. I wonder, was it in Bye Bye Man? No, what was the one? It wasn't Bye Bye Man. Was it Incarnate? Incarnate. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I think they had a different colored eye for the possessed person in Incarnate. But listeners, if you know, uh, it's definitely a a pattern now. Yeah. When did it start? It's a trope. It's a trope. So we've sussed it out. Hollywood really is a copycat industry. It really is, man. There's no original ideas. I mean, these three trailers are proof positive of that concept. Uh, so did this one this one get you going a little bit? Yeah, I'll watch all three of these. Uh, as an AMC, uh, whatever it's called, stubs holder mm-hmm. or what A-list, whatever, A-list stubs. Anyway, I'll use my free movies to watch these movies. And, uh, oh, yeah, you get, you get three a month, don't you? Three a, I think it's three a week. Oh, wow. I think it's three a week. So You pay 20 bucks a month for that? Yeah, yeah. to AMC. Cut the check, AMC. You're welcome. I'd, uh, I'd rather almost cut that check directly to Satan himself. <laughs> you pretty much are. I mean, AMC is so terrible, but, yeah, I'm paying for it right now because it's the cheapest way to feed my habit, man. All right. So. Yeah. Way to screw this movie fast. Anybody out there, if you watch the second Prodigy trailer, Hole in the Ground, or Mara, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we'll put those up on the uh, on the Facebook page. We saw something scary. You can take a look at those and let us know if uh, you take a look at them. Let us know if Jeff and I are crazy thinking that uh, Hole in the Ground is just the Irish version of uh, the Prodigy. Or Baba Duke. Yeah. Or like six other movies we've seen before. Right. Plus a giant hole in the ground. Right. 
and let us know what you think about Mara. I just I can't leave this alone. I think that was the pitch. I think they came in and they all watched Boba Duke together. Yeah. And they said, let's make it Irish uh-huh. and let's dig a huge hole in the ground. <laughs> what are we going to call it? Yeah. Let's call it the hole in the ground. Yeah. And A24 was like, yes, yes. Here's the deal, Bob. We got to do something to make this more marketable. All right. The Boba Duke was okay, but it didn't do, it wasn't in a wide selection of theaters. So if A24 is going to pick it up, gosh darn it, Lady Bird was our last big success. So we got to make something, or, well, no, Hereditary is our last big success. We got to make something happen in this. All right, Jim. Let's let's make a toy to go along with it. We'll have the scary kid yeah. and we'll give him a playset. Okay. What's that playset going to be called? Uh, uh, the hole in the ground. Hole in the ground. Oh, Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Right. Done and done. Call the promotion department? Yeah. Are there such things as promotion departments? Yeah. Call the PR, please. <laughs> so, guys, that little glimpse into how Hollywood works. No additional cost. Right. Episodes, same price. Yeah. Uh, from here on in. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Jeff H. Trailers. All right, man. So, we've got some interesting stuff in this week's The first one is a big disappointment to yours truly. So I need you to walk me through this. Castle Rock Season 2 is set to begin production in March. And if that wasn't enough of a kick in the pants, here's what I learned. Maybe I should have known this before. Okay. But you remember my criticism of Season 1? Yeah, that sucked. Yes. There was there was a few extra dimples on that description, though. It made me think of Lost. Right. Lots of interesting ideas. Oh, no. Lots of provocative storylines you could, you know, play out. And polar bears. And polar bears. And it did jack squat with any of them. <laughs> jack squat. Lost. I like it. It's nice. Uh, by the way, my firstborn child's name, Jack. Next child, Kate. Guess what? We were watching a lot during the uh, <laughs> early days of my family building. So anyway, here's what the creative minds behind Castle Rock have said about season two. So is that why your third child's name is Dexter? <laughs> no, but it should have been. <laughs> it should have been, totally. Uh, at this time, this is from Bloody Disgusting. Um, they don't know what season two is going to be about. but they're all like lost. For sure. Uh, they did have an interview with, uh, I think, the showrunner, Rafael Motomayor. Okay. And he said, our plan was always to approach each season as an unwritten Stephen King novel. So what that tells me is each one of these seasons are going to be standalone. And all we, all we got left from season one is just, who the heck knows what's going on here? Right. It's lazy storytelling, man. I hate, hate, hate this idea that we can just raise a bunch of really curious factors and never be held accountable to do anything with them. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll go back for season two? No. Yeah, I think I'm out too. Yeah. They'll have, well, I'll tell you this. They'll have to be a really good hook. Like, there'd have to be something really... The right cast. Yeah. Yeah. The right cast and the right story. Yeah. For me to go, all right, I'll dip my toe back in the water. Sure. But I'm not, I'm not jumping in like I did for the first season. Yeah, we were pretty hot for that. Yeah. Well, I, that's a good point. I guess I'm. I guess I'm still with you. There is a world where the right cast and the right story shows up, and I'd watch it again. But I'll be honest with Castle Rock and Puka. Yeah. My confidence in Hulu horror is pretty low. Yeah, it's rough, man. They need to. They need to start landing some. You need to watch the body. Some punches. Tell you. Into the dark. The body. Okay. Was really good. I mean, it's not. It's not get out or in or anything like that. But it, I think it'll. It may not 
You may not reestablish your faith in the Hulu horror genre, but I think that you'll be like, oh, yeah, if I'd have watched this instead of Puka, I really would have enjoyed this series. Maybe reestablish some credibility. I think so. Yeah, okay. Well, we certainly need a deposit in that account, so I may track that down. And I haven't seen any of the other ones. I haven't seen the Thanksgiving one. I haven't seen the New Year's one. The New Year's one, by the trailer, looks interesting. Yeah. I just, I mean, you know me. I don't have time for anything right now. Sure. Sure, I get it. Well, we've already been talking about... Before we oh, yeah. go on, uh, do you want me to tell you what I thought you were about to announce for Castle Rock? Yes, I do want you to do that. That Damon Lindelof was coming on board as some kind of writer or showrunner or something, and I was like, oh, Jeff's out completely. <laughs> that scenario is maybe the closest recipe for me becoming a suicide bomber. Yeah. Uh, you know, there would need to be this element of somebody making me watch whatever he was involved in. Yeah. But, yeah, dude, that would have been... That would have been a. Uh, I'd have probably canceled my Hulu subscription. <laughs> I would have probably. No, I don't have a Hulu subscription, so I would have went and got a Hulu subscription, right. and I would have canceled it just to tell them like this is unacceptable. Yeah. You know that Damon Lindelof was a big inspiration for the Good Place. Um, no, but that explains why I had such a hard time with season one. Mm. I almost gave up, man. I'm into season two now, and uh, it really ramps up quick in season two. But yeah. season one, I had to kind of be like. Derek says it's good. Derek says it's good. Derek says it's good. Yeah. And we're in now. That, uh, you edit this out if you want to, but that twist at the end of season one, that's good stuff. Yeah, that was I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it. What? I didn't see it coming. There's no way. Not at all. Yeah, okay. Well, so we were just watching on Netflix. You know how it just pulls up the next episode? So, like, we didn't realize we were nearing an end of a season or anything Uh like that, and then they just hit you with it. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It it has basically been like watching Parks and Rec again, because the first season of Parks and Rec were like, eh, it's okay. There's some laughs. Right. But season two really took it up a notch. And Mike Shore, man, he's a genius. Yeah, he's he's got his fastball for sure. And he's also a part of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I gotta watch that one, dude. I'm I'm thinking Brooklyn Nine Nine and the good in the good place when it's all said and done, probably gonna wind up in my top five comedies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if the good place stays as, as good as it is right now. It'll, it'll be it'll there. Be there. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll track that down, too, because you were right about this one for sure. And 9-9, just, it comes back on tonight. Um, I can't wait. Super excited. Yeah, I'm pumped about it. You want to get me to go off the tangent there? No, that's a good one. Let's see. <laughs> All right, yeah, Derek. Enough Dave and Lindelof talk. Forever. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> well, until... Uh, Ever. Yeah. Hey, would you check out The Leftovers? It's a it's a Lindelof show, but I've heard it's it's great. It's got Liv Tyler in it. Uh, no. Let me. Well, here. Let me. Let me just throw this at you. Three years after the disappearance of two percent of the global population. Yeah, this sounds like Lost, and <laughs> every alarm bell I have is going off. A group of people in a small New York community try to continue their lives while coping with the tragedy of the unexplained nature of the event. The coping with the tragedy of being involved in the Damon Lindelof show. It's. It's, it's 28 episodes. Oh, my gosh. It's got Justin Theroux, Liv Tyler. And Damon Lindelof. <laughs> and Damon Lindelof is a writer on it. That's true. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else. Regina King. Scott Glenn. Dude, I, I would watch a YouTube cut of just the Liv Tyler scenes. You, you know what? Damon Lindelof is in real life what you think M. Night Shyamalan is. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> That's what's well, going we on. We found it. We found your white whale. <laughs> he, that's who he is. Now we know. All right, enough Damon Lindelof talk. Forever. Yeah, I think I'm going to track that down, though, the leftovers, because I've heard really good things about it. It's on HBO. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll await your counsel on how good that is or not, but I'm definitely going to take your word for it. Uh, 
That's fine. Eesh. Even if it's the best thing ever, I, I probably will be like, I don't watch it. So yeah. If I could somehow, you know how we have created the horror renaissance? Mm-hmm. I need Hollywood to listen to me. Two things. Okay. Stop giving M. Night Shyamalan big budgets. Amen. Stop giving Damon Lindelof work. Yeah. And everything will be better. Speaking of Shyamalan, I mean, we've teased it a little bit. Are we going to talk about that? Um, yeah, I think. So that'll be the, the last down note for the horror reporter, okay. I guess. So, yeah, let's do that. And then I'll, I'll give you some, some better news. All right. Love it. So the reviews on Glass are... You, oh, you want to go into that now? Yeah, man. Let's talk about it. Okay. So number two was better stuff? Number two will, will put us on a happier course, I think. Okay. On the All way right. I just didn't know if number two was talking about uh, us as pushback. Well, there's a, I think there's a positive spin on that. Okay. So. All right. So the Glass reviews are... The early reviews are in, and they're very, very mixed. That's actually saying it pretty kindly. Yeah. Uh, now, I have read some positive reviews. Um, obviously, I've taken to the more negative reviews because I hate... I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I, I'll be honest with you. I sent you one, I think, from Uproxx. Is that right? Um, yeah, I've, I've read worse ones than that one. I, I'm, I'm sad to hear that. Like, I, I I, fully expected to walk out of that movie next week and, and talk to you and, and Jody and everyone else who's been ragging me about it and be like, all right, guys, you're right. It was a good movie. But now I think I'm going to just Conor McGregor strut out of the theater. Well, this is how you've pulled off Inception to me. Now I'm terrified to watch this movie. You're like, hey, check out this review. And this is not like, oh, this was a disappointing movie. This was poorly made. This is like, I think you pointed me to one where a guy was like, this is the most disappointing movie experience of my life. Which, you know, prior to reading that, I would have assumed he was talking about Lady in the Water. And so, like... (laughs) I'm down. Excuse me. It's just it's just terrible. One, I'm still excited for the movie, but now I feel like I'm I'm literally of two minds. I've got one side that's terrified and the other that's exciting. Um and then why can't he make just middle of the road, pretty good movies? You know what I mean? Like no either you come away from one of his movies going, that was really amazing. Or yeah, you know, I wanted to gouge my own eyeballs out. Uh, so who knows, man? So the the review from IndieWire. I don't think I sent you this one, but I think I told you about it. The review from IndieWire is this. I'm cringing. M Night Shyamalan's grounded superhero movie is the biggest disappointment of his career. Oh my gosh. I think the one you sent me said, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan hates comic books. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's promising. Yeah. Oh, Derek, dadgummit. But you know what? Here's the thing, man. This is what I'll always say about critics. They're not us. Yeah. And, you know, we we remember the shellacking that Venom got. Aquaman 2. Aquaman. Right? Like, Aquaman's made a ton of money, yeah. but initial Have critic- you seen Aquaman? Yeah. What do you think about it? We haven't really talked about this yet. Uh, yeah. So, just real quick. I know we're on, like, a sidebar of a sidebar. Right. That movie is really over the top, uh-huh. but I dig it. Like, yeah. the problem with DC has been, everything's been cast in shades of gray. Yeah. So is it goofy? Sure. He's right. super frat boy, but I'm I'm good with that. It's a, it's a movie about Aquaman. So I, I keep hearing cheesy applied to it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's cheesy so much as it's just sincere and straightforward, mm-hmm. and I'm good with that. Okay. I, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did, but I also don't think I was in the right mindset. I was kind of like, man, I've got two, I've got two hours to kill. I, I haven't seen Aquaman yet. Sure. I'm going to watch it. But by like the hour and a half mark, I was like, holy, how much longer is this movie? So I think if they had cut 30 to 45 minutes, I would have loved it. 
That's actually the the fairest criticism of that movie that I have seen. It, it turns into Indiana Jones or National Treasure mm-hmm. for about thirty minutes too long. Yeah. If you could get them going to find the magic uh, Atlantis projector, then they're in Italy mm-hmm. fighting Atlanteans. That'd be a better movie. Yeah. But um, I mean, having said that, it's made a butt ton of money. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think, in my mind, the second best DC extended universe movie. Hundred percent. And it kind of gives hope for the future. I don't think they're ever going to be Marvel. Right. But if they could be three-fourths Marvel or three-fifths Marvel, Warner Brothers is probably good with that. Yeah. And I'm going to be there to watch the movies. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I, I didn't enjoy it that much, but I know that my, my nephew's a big fan of that kind of stuff, so I'm going to take him to go watch Yeah. It. You know? He'll love it. Yeah. And he'll he'll think it's great. So, sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. Well, it is actually kind of for the DC universe, what sh- I, I wish Shyamalan could do, which is hit a double. Sure. Get safely on base. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but he either goes down swinging, you know, on, on four straight pitches or cranks one out of the yard and there's no in between for him. Yeah. And I'm really worried that this is one of those where he's just staring at a ball as it's passing the plate, you know. I think that, I think this, the, to keep your baseball analogy going, I think he cracks this one. Uh, bottom of the ninth, bases are loaded, two outs. He cranks this one, going, going, going at the last second. It gets snapped away. From oh, it turns out to be a pop fly. Yeah. Yeah, that may be it. All right, this uh, this segment of Sauce on the Scary brought to you by Prozac, the mood regulator. Not, not for me. Yeah. I'm in a good mood. Well, we'll find out next week. We We're will. Willing. We will. Are we going to watch that together? We should. Yeah, we ought to. I think Jody's around. Yeah. Good, good Jody. All right. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about that more off air. Okay. Well, hey, good news. Yeah! We love the Babadook. We've already talked about it like 17 times. You talking about Prodigy again? The original. Okay. 1.0. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... So, Jennifer Kent, I remember when we reviewed The Babadook, we said, this woman needs more work. Why hasn't she gotten more work? Yeah. Well, IFC has just picked up her next project called The Nightingale. Oh, fantastic. And uh, it's going to come out this summer. Okay. According to Variety, the deal is for U.S. rights and that The Nightingale has already won the special jury prize at the 2018 Venice International Film Festival. Okay. So, Jennifer is from Australia. Am I right when I say that? I believe you're right on that. Well, this movie is set in Tasmania in 1825. Yeah, Claire. <laughs> the Nightingale follows a 21-year-old Irish female convict. Everything is interrelated on this episode. Time is a flat circle, my friend. She witnesses the brutal murder of her husband and baby by her soldier master and his cronies. They fell into a hole in the ground. They fell in a pit. <laughs> Unable to find justice, she takes an aboriginal male tracker with her. So she was unable to find justice, but apparently was able to find an aboriginal male tracker who takes her through the hellish wilderness to seek revenge on the men. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Is this, um, would we call this evil crocodile Dundee? (laughs) For real. But dude, she did so good with Babadook. I'm totally watching this. That's not the devil. This is the devil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, I'll watch that. It's got uh, it's got the guy from the Hunger Games in it. Well, that's not a help. Sam Claflin, who played uh, Finnick. Oh, Finnick, the one likable character in the whole yeah. series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's in it. Is he the Aboriginal male tracker? I don't know. Can't imagine Finnick is his. Uh, so no, he's not. The the guy who is, I think this is his first movie. Oh. Hey, you know, I did watch a movie uh, this last month that had an aboriginal cast in it. Oh, okay. 
It is a young Henry Thomas starring in a movie called The Quest from the 80s. Um, in, in, in Australia, I think it's called Frog Dreaming. Okay. I probably rented that thing like 17 times from Baines yeah. uh, on VHS. Yeah. Baines being listener of the little convenience store that's out where Derek and I grew up. Um, yeah, so I got it. And I was like, I remember that movie. I'm going to show it to my kids. It's an Australian Goonies. Huh. So if you follow me on Letterboxd, you probably saw my review of it. But uh, yeah, if you ever want to watch a Goonies style movie starring pre-ET, pre-Gerald's Game, pre-Haunting of Hill House, Henry Thomas, I got one for you. There we go. The Quest. Wow. Can loan it to you. Okay. Hey, speaking of... Um Oh man, I just lost everything. Speaking of not speaking of it, yeah, Voldemort. Dude, it can't be named. No, I just completely forgot about everything I was going to say. <laughs> well, that sucks because it was going to be good. Of course. <sighs> Actually, you're busy. That's what pushes everything out of your head. Yeah. You only hold so much, man. It's like computer RAM. Oh, got it. Speaking of the Goonies, have uh, you seen the side-by-side comparison picture I put up of uh, Axl Rose and Ma, whatever her name is, from the Goonies? No, but that's really funny, even right now. Check it out. There was a an award uh, picture of Axl Rose sitting next to some other famous person, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it looked like post-menopausal yeah. uh, stamp I, collecting. I think this is him. I think it was him and Mickey Rourke. Yes, that's who it yeah. was. And you're I like, oh. It, I saw it and went, oh my gosh, he looks like the the evil mom from the Goonies. Whoa, dude, that's ridiculous. <laughs> He's even wearing her blouse. I know. Why is he wearing her blouse? I don't know. Friends, we got to put this up on. Yeah, and her pearls. Look at this mess. He's got some kind of necklace on. Her. Yes, he is. All right, so this has got to be. Here's what I'm going to do as the producer and editor of this podcast. Derek's going to send me that photo. We're going to stick it at the bottom of the show notes. There you go. So you can all flip over to that part of uh, your podcast app and check out the photo we're talking about. You can also see it on every one of my social media channels. Or Derek Zoom. You know, or that. But we'll do it at the bottom of the show notes, too. Cool. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, He's not aged well. No. Also, with uh, side-by-side comparisons, did you see uh, New Year's Eve, Steve Harvey, and Darkwing Duck that I put up on social <laughs> yes, media? Yeah, that was right on. That was pretty good, spot on. That's right on. Yeah. <laughs> they have the same uh, stylist. Yeah. When there's trouble, you call Steve Harvey. <laughs> and usually that trouble is him forgetting who won the award. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're going to watch Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Yeah. We, uh, we are rabbit trail chasing. But I tell you, maybe, maybe you and I in the same room isn't the best because we just go off on these. We become too extra. Yeah. Last one uh, that I got for you in the Horror Reporter. It is a sad note. Right. But I think it ultimately means good things. Okay. I'm in. So as we've already alluded to at the beginning of this episode, Jordan Peele's much-anticipated movie, Us, has been pushed back a week. Which, yeah, is terrible. And how dare they? Yeah. Which I get. They probably don't want to go head-to-head with superhero movies, but... Oh, yeah, Captain Marvel, that's what's coming out that's getting on. Well, they pushed it back closer to Shazam. I don't know why they're picking one Captain Marvel over another. I mean, I'm not like I'm salty about it. I got five on it that Captain Marvel's going to be Shazam. (laughs) Just five? Yeah. (laughs) Just five? I'm just trying to tie all three of those together, so... (laughs) Well, but that also means that that Jordan Peele's latest gets to open up South by Southwest, which all I'm saying on that is, one, it's not surprising, but two... In the world where people still believe in such a thing as elevator horror, maybe this... You about devil? Yes. And the visit? Yeah. Um, I get the joke you just made. I'm stupid. Because it's in an elevator. That's yeah. why you mentioned devil. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, 
so we know who the smart member of this podcasting team is. And uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's not the guy talking right now. No, you're just the most handsome. Dad bod, 2019. Um, Maybe this is just a way to tell broader audiences that horror as a genre should be paid attention to. And are you on Letterboxd as a user? I am, sir. Did you get the, you know, 2018 in review where they go through and say, like, this is the best movie of the year. This is the most criticized movie of the year. Did you read all that? I did. Did you go look at the best movies in each genre? I did not. Drama is terrible. Okay. Uh, the only movie in drama that I cared for at all, which I liked a lot, was Eighth Grade. Okay. Everything else was a movie that I either started and couldn't stand or knew from the jump I had no interest in. Could you give me examples on that? Roma. Okay. First Reformed. Now, the one I didn't see, I didn't see Black KKK Klansman or whatever, yeah. which is supposed to be good. So yeah. that may be an outlier, too. And I think it's on Hulu right now. Oh, well. So don't give up your Hulu subscription just, <laughs> just yet. yet. Um, anyway, I was just thinking, like, how dare these people criticize horror and pretend like it's some kind of dumpster yeah. when drama exists as a genre and it's full of stuff that I think pleases the people who made the movie mm-hmm. and maybe nobody else. Or maybe some, some critics. Speaking of drama, I saw Vice a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the scariest movie I've seen all year. Really? Yeah. Okay. I know that it's stylized fiction. Uh-huh. Um, to you know, to an extent, but if some of the stuff went on the way that they frame it, it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, just because it was real. Well, it's the same people who made The Big Short, right? Right. So that was an incredible movie. Yeah, just terrible economics and history. Um. So anyway, yeah, I, I could see like if if Halliburton is ten percent of what it's alleged to be, even having never seen the movie. Yeah. It's basically the fulfillment of Dwight Eisenhower's prediction about the military-industrial complex taking over the world. So I could see that happening. Yeah. How good is Sam uh, Rockwell as W? Man, he's great, but he's only in it for like a – I mean, it's, it almost amounts to a cameo. Oh, no. See, I, that was maybe the thing I was most looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, Christian Bale is phenomenal. Sure, sure. Phenomenal. Yeah. But – I don't want to show up to hate him, though. You know what I mean? Like, I like to be rooting for him. Right. Um, yeah, it's difficult in this movie, for sure. But Sam Rock, yeah, he's spot on. Really? I mean, just spot on. Like, he, yeah, but he only shows up in maybe, I want to say, like, like the uh, cumulative time, probably 15 minutes in the movie. Oh, man, there's a tear escaping the corner of my eye right now. Man, okay. But I tell you, I mean, I, you know, we, we never talk politics on here, right, for so, because they're disgusting. But, um... Uh, the way that the movie is framed, it looks like that uh, Dick Cheney's wife, Lynn, will kind of the pulling the string behind all the stuff. And you're like, oh, <laughs> So she's Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Really? Uh, yeah, but uh, it's it's a, it's a really good, I mean, it's a really good movie. If, uh, if you are into politics, I, I highly suggest watching it. Even if it's attacking your brand of politics, I highly suggest watching it because uh, Bale does a phenomenal job in Dick Cheney. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell's great. I mean, everyone in the movie is great. Like, even Tyler Perry playing Colton Powell, I was like, oh, Tyler Perry bringing acting chops. So, uh, but yeah, it was... All right. Yeah, it was. It was. As a matter of fact, I uh, messaged one of our, our listeners afterwards and I was like, that might have been the scariest movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've yet to see Hole in the Ground, That's true. buddy. That's true. So uh, you yeah, just hold your tongue. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll definitely check out Vice, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. We went down another uh, hole there. A hole in the ground? A hole in the ground. I mean, really, we can just beat this thing to death. Yeah. Or beat it past death, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
that would be a problem. So did I mention that Jordan Peele's Us is opening South by Southwest, and I hope more people get on the horror train. You did do that. Did I mention that drama is terrible? You did mention that. Okay, I That's think That's how we got on the buy strike. We're done with <laughs> the horror reporter, unless you have some insightful commentary to add to that that I haven't let, made room for. So, so there were ten movies that Jordan Peele gave his uh, his cast right to review, and we're in the process the process of reviewing those. If we can ever get to that part of the show. So now we have eleven weeks instead of ten, correct? On that on that eleventh week, we need to get out. I'll just do the review. Yeah, the the re review. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'm in for that. It's a good idea. We revisit Get Out. Yeah. All right, I'm adding that to the calendar. I got five on it. This has been this week's horror. All right. Pull the string? You ready to pull the string on Dead Again? Yeah, I keep wanting to call it Dead Away. That's fine. I'm willing to accept that. Dead Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, before we do... Walter! What? No. Spoiler alert. Alright. Let's do this thing, man. Kenneth Branagh's Dead Again. How uh, how did this make you feel going back to the to the early 90s, man? We're, we're 28 years removed from this movie. Oh, dude, don't remind me because that makes me think of how old I am. Uh, You're 29. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so speaking of how things make me feel, mm-hmm. we're recording in my office. Right. I wish more people who know me would have been here to watch Mark Wahlberg walk through and then just walk out. It's pretty cool, isn't it? When I tell people about that, they're like, that doesn't happen. You made that up. Right. Uh, yeah, that's just a shame. Anyway, it was fun for me to go back... Um, I don't know what your overall thoughts on this movie are, but we've talked about A24. Mm-hmm. And, you know, A24 does like long shots of two characters sitting in the living room staring at each other, right? And that's that's come to be, I think, what we think of as prestige filmmaking. Sure. Dead Again couldn't be more different. It, it's completely across the spectrum. Everything is hyperbole and grandiose, and even the score is smashing and crashing. And so when you watch Dead Again, it took me a few minutes not to feel like it was... Like, I was trying to figure out, is this movie making fun of itself? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that is what's going on. I kind of snapped back to the guy who saw Romancing the Stone or the Lethal Weapon movies. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, no, no, this is just... This is how we made movies before we all became cynical and jaded. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And so, I don't know, if somebody comes to this who's under 25... This may look like the most ridiculous thing they've ever seen. Sure. And I understand why. Right. But as someone who remembers the world that it represents, it was pretty fun to go back. And and to go back specifically in contrast to the A24 style of movie making. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 you kind of hit the nail on the head, man. This does seem very self-aggrandizing at first. But I think that is just because we're 28 years removed from the movie. So once you find, once you settle into this world, you realize, oh no, this is just how it was back in the early nineties. I kept waiting for like the star swipe to take us to the next scene. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Right, I, that's where we were in the whole situation. So uh, yeah, I think you're spot on on that. And it, it makes sense too. So we we talked off air about this. I missed. Kenneth Branagh. I don't know if I even said that right. I missed him as a big movie star. Yeah. It, it must have happened before I just started noticing that, and I was watching Crocodile Dundee and, right. you know, Fred Savage well, movies. I'll say this. I don't think that Branagh was ever, like, a huge, quote-unquote, movie star. Like, I don't think ever think he was A-list. Uh, I think that most of his work was done on stage. 
And so when he does translate to film, it's a bigger deal because of he was a stage actor. So more prestige actor, not superstar actor. Yeah. More and more it's Olivier. Gotcha. Well, I've, I've actually in some of these reviews seen him compared to him. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like more Olivier than like Tom Hanks. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because truth be known, Jeff, when I like when I really got into movies, the only thing I knew him from was Wild Wild West. Ooh, Brando. I, I started to say something like a uh, a Brando who. Yeah, translated from screen to film. Yeah, but I think with Brando, you you think more of him as a film actor. Okay. I think of Brando was probably the greatest film actor of all time. What about the guy who played in the first two Godfathers? Brando. That's Brando? Well, Brando was the Godfather. You're, you're talking about, uh, oh man, Robert Duvall. Yeah, Duvall's in that, and then uh, Pacino. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you probably wouldn't have Pacino open a Wild Wild West and hope, or like a Independence Day. Right. But anything he's in, you kind of see it as there's been a little class added to it. Well, I think that used to be the case. Oh, and he's been slumming it. I think for the last, like, 15 years, Pacino's just been doing whatever. See, I feel that way about De Niro. Yeah. So maybe... I, I, think, the same, I think the same thing about De Niro. Sure. But, like, there, I think that there used to be, especially at this time, like, 91... If uh, Al Pacino was in something, it was a big deal. Gotcha. But now it's like, oh, it's Al Pacino. He's just cutting checks. Yeah, he's just doing whatever. Now he did do a pretty good turn as uh, I, I, <clears throat> I haven't seen it, but from what I had heard and read, as Joe Paterno in who in an HBO show. Like really, yeah. Boy, that's some dark subject matter, man. Yeah. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I I think Pacino kind of ran out. Maybe around 2006. So we call this the Nick Cage. Like, put it in front of me. Tell me how many zeros are on it, and we're yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think I think Pacino kind of ruined his reputation back in like 2003 when he did this movie called Simone. Oh, which is hard to describe in a uh, review on another movie. Gotcha. But yeah, so to make a long story longer, when I think of Kenneth Branagh, I think of Olivier because he was so prolific on the stage. And then he does occasionally still make movies. And some of his movies are great. Like, uh, Brown directed Thor, the first Thor movie. Well, apparently everybody loves his Henry V. Yeah. It's like the cinematic adaptation. Yeah. Well, it made, you know, thinking back to way back when we first started talking about this movie being big and loud and extra, uh, this is probably what a stage actor thinks of when he thinks about going to cinema, at least from that era, right? You know, you can control more and, yeah. yeah. You know, that's a funny thing to talk about, too, because I remember the first time I saw... Um, Streetcar. First time I watched the movie Streetcar Named Desire, I thought... Which is Brando, right? Yeah. This, yeah. yeah uh, that was Brando's like first big movie. But I remember, I think Vivian Lee was, uh, played Scarlet Blanche, I'm sorry, Blanche in that movie. And I thought, my God, this is the worst acting I've ever seen. Like, she's just so over the top and so loud and verbose and, and it just kind of blew my mind that like this movie had gotten so much prestige and, and you know and, and awards and love and then I thought back to oh well that was just the times sure that's just how it was and so yeah when, when you say that it does make even more sense that he would be like more more you know um, go louder go bigger yeah. go brighter yeah yeah. I was trying to think like more trombone but I don't know why a trombone would be more gaudy more rhinestones yeah, yeah. exactly more you know it's a wonder Porter Wagner didn't like walk through well thank thank the lord <laughs> uh, I told my wife this is to me the closest I'll come to an old Hollywood movie made in my lifetime mm-hmm. you think about old Hollywood you know and the glitz and the glamour of the thing and how self-serious it was kind of take a time machine and go back there and see it um 
this is maybe the last echoes of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's my general thought. This is a big, loud, extra movie. Yeah. And it can it can kind of blow out your capacitor unless you frame it in the historical context we right. just did. And, and once I did, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, and I get why Brana is so well regarded as an actor. So uh, before before you hop in, uh, let me just say this: if you want to see a great Kenneth Branagh performance, ironically enough, he plays Olivier in My Week with Marilyn. Oh, okay. Which was a, a biopic that came out several years ago about Marilyn Monroe. Okay. And that movie's phenomenal, and he does a wonderful job in it. Okay, so. that's awesome. I, I tend to like biopics, so yeah. I will check and, that out. Uh, Michelle Williams plays Marilyn and did a <clears throat> did a wonderful job. She probably was robbed of awards. Then. Really? See, I, I mean, I haven't even heard of this film, and I tend to try to pay attention to award movies. So, thanks for the heads up. Yeah, and Eddie Ray, Ray, Redmayne. Redman, you know what I'm talking about? Eddie Redman. Because he got high? Yeah, uh, that guy. <laughs> he was going to go to school, but then he got high. But he, yeah, he got right? high. No, he was in, uh, he was. He played Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's in that movie. Oh, okay. And he's kind of like the guy who falls in love with Marilyn over this week, and it's kind of from his point of view and stuff. Great movie. Well, it sounds similar to this movie in that it sounds like that's a stellar cast. Yeah. And I guess I didn't know, I knew Emma Thompson. I've seen her in a thousand things. I didn't realize all these people were connected to the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Which makes sense when you have all these high theatrics. Right. And when you're talking to a man who, what at that time was, he was the president of the company, was he not? Oh, I, really? I believe so. Well, it makes sense if he's the guy like playing Hamlet, you know, and, and taking the lead on all the Shakespearean roles. He yeah. Would, he, he'd have some stroke with that group. Oh, I'm sorry. He uh, he was he trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, and then in 2015 he succeeded Richard Attenborough as the president. Oh my! Okay. Yeah. Do you remember Richie Attenborough? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a prestigious group, and they they handle themselves pretty well. Um, I, I told you this off air. So the you know we're well into spoiler territory. The the setup on this movie is that you get flashbacks to past life, and then set in black and white. Set in black and white, so you know. And then you flash forward to how these things are affecting the how the past events are affecting the lives of the reincarnated individuals in the modern world, and it's clear that Emma Thompson is playing both roles. She's the same character, just in two different eras. Right. But at one point, I was watching this movie with my wife, and I said, "Honey, is is Bronna playing both Roman and Church?" And she's like, "No, no, that's a different guy." I'm like, I think that's Brana, you know, because Emma Thompson's playing the same. She's like, no, no, that's a different guy. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh no, that was that was Brana doing both, but he he was a different guy. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I've seen one actor playing two characters where I actually didn't immediately go, oh, that's the same guy. But all they did was put him in black and white, put like a ro- uh, cape on him, and I think he does something with his accent and he has a goatee. Mm-hmm. And I legitimately had a hard time deciding if it was the same actor who was playing Church. Church is like kind of rumpled. I told you he, he made me think of like a a, a ne'er do well Jason Bateman character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Brana really delivered two different people to the <clears throat> to the screen, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I'd be curious if our listeners felt the same way. So, listeners, if you <clears throat> you know if you if you had a similar experience or completely different, please uh, please let me know. You think Hugh Jackman in The Prestige was the last time you uh, you saw a guy play two different people and you weren't for sure if it was the same person or not? That's a good question. I know that the twist on The Prestige yeah. got me hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess with remembering that it got me so completely, that would make sense. Yeah. 
Before that, I can't remember another time. Uh, the Nutty Professor 2, the clumps. <laughs> yes, okay. Just keep feeding me things that I should have remembered. Uh, no no pun intended with the clumps there. Um, speaking of any Tyler Perry movie. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that he can bring in so many diverse and different actors to play these characters he creates. With the exception of Vice, because he was just one person. (laughs) Are you sure? Well, he may have been Condoleezza Rice, too. I'm not real sure. It wouldn't make sense. (laughs) Mayhap. We'll have to check IMDb. (laughs) Only IMDb knows for sure. That's true. There was one actor in this movie who was not part of the Royal Shakespearean Theater Company. Yes. Um, how good was it to see Robin Williams again? Oh, man. I tell you, any time that I revisit a Robin Williams movie, I get uh, a little, like, twinge of pain in my stomach because I miss that guy so much. Yeah. And he, in my opinion, Robin Williams is the ultimate don't know what you got till it's gone. Huh. Like, he was just, he he always felt like he was around. And and it got to the point where, like, I think as a kid, Robin Williams was one of my inspirations in comedy. And, um, you know, and, and as I got older, I had a respect for him, but I also didn't, I didn't rush out like I rushed out to see Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Like, I didn't rush out to see World's Greatest Dad like I rushed out to see Mrs. Doubtfire. Or I didn't turn on his CBS sitcom with Sarah Michelle Gellar, right? Like, I, it just wasn't... I was like, oh, that's cool, Robin Williams. I don't have time to watch a sitcom or, you know, a 60-minute drum or whatever it was. Sure. And then when he was gone, then you're like, oh, my gosh. You now, just feel this huge hole. Yeah. Like, I'll never see another new Robin Williams thing. <laughs> yeah. And so to, to get to watch this movie, had never seen it before and did not know that he was in it, it, it was kind of like, oh, man, there he is. But at the same time, you're like, oh, man, there's... Robert Williams was a genius. Well, if you ever, you know, if you've ever had the experience of running into a good friend who you hadn't seen in a while unexpectedly, yeah. that's the experience of seeing him show up in this movie. Now, other people may have known he was in this. I had no idea. He's uncredited. Um, and then when you see him, it's just so delightful. One of the things I read uh, about this movie is that this was one of Robin's first attempts at doing darker material. Mm. And I guess that's the case. I mean, he's a. He's a defrocked psychoanalyst. Is that the deal? Yeah. Because he was sleeping with his patients. But um, I don't know. He just seemed he seemed like Robin Williams, a guy with some ghosts, but who you would really like to hang out in that meat locker with, you know, yeah. just have him tell you stories. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else there is to say really about the movie other than the ending is just ridiculous. Sure. So, you know, listener, we have the the long conspiracy that somehow comprehends these people being reincarnated. Right. Play out where we finally find our way back to Emma Thompson's character's house. And we find out she's an artist who, I guess, works exclusively in the medium of scissors sculptures, which is supposed to reinforce her, you know, being haunted by the thought of whether or not Roman killed her with scissors in her previous life or like it was messing with her subconscious or whatever. And so at, at one point you have the homicidal flying hypnotherapist antiques dealer coming to, you know, he's going off the top rope to kill Roman and his reincarnated wife again. But thankfully, quick thinking church grabs a coffee table size scissors statue while he's in midair, pulls it underneath him and he impales himself like the Indoraptor in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Nice. And I mean, I guess there are houses out there that are decorated with scissors. Sure. Edward's house, maybe. <laughs> right. But it's just, I mean, it's clearly not childproofed. No. Um, but and, they are very, uh, very much loved. I mean, every time somebody says, looks at them, they're like, man, that house looks sharp. Oh, 
Dayton, Ohio, this weekend, one of this kind of club. So, in a movie about reincarnation mm-hmm. and hypnotist antique dealers, mm-hmm. the most ridiculous thing in the whole movie is a coffee table size statue of multiple scissors. That sounds right. Yeah. I don't think her insurance company would be willing to underwrite her. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about dad jokes. I can't imagine the insurance company is going to underwrite the policy for her house. Yeah. If that's how she decorates. Progressive mind. Can't really have a uh, like it's a progressive. Yeah, you, you can't really have like a seeing impaired person come visit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or if you do, you've got to like chain them into the corner. Yeah. But just don't move. I'll bring you everything. I'll feed you everything. I'd hate to have to put braille on that house. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm imagining there would be some cuts. Yeah, you couldn't cut any quarters. Whoa! The comedy is cranked up here. Wow, this comedy joint in Ohio Friday Saturday three shows here to come. Uh, Derek, on a scale of one to ten, what what numerical rating would you assign to Dead Again? You know what? I'm going to say six and a half. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed this movie uh, for, for lots of different reasons. It's a murder mystery, and, and obviously that's kind of you know where I kind of got my chops was uh, doing murder mystery stuff, and uh, so I've always kind of near dear to my heart on that. You know what? Just thinking about this too, Ron apparently has an affinity for murder mysteries because he did Orient Express. And he what, did this movie. I need to see Orient Express. Yeah. That's got a killer cast. I just never... <laughs> uh, you're wearing off on me. It's the glow. Wiley's college. <laughs> I won't be there. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, it's got an incredible cast. So maybe it's time for me to catch up on some of Brana's work. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, there's a really good artistic movie called Thor. Yes. Uh, you should probably watch High it. High concept. About a Norse god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, six and a half. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Again, it's it's a little bit of a culture shock when you first start the movie because we're just not used to seeing that type of stuff anymore. Uh, you know, and also I kind of feel like that may have been the reason why I hated that Michael J. Fox uh, horror comedy so much mm. that we watched a few months ago, <laughs> just because that's how movies were made back. Then. Yeah, it's so jarring to go back there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once you like, once you get into it, once you train yourself into it, and you're starting to see the pieces of the puzzle come together. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah, six and a half sounds about right. I think I can say that as a child of the 90s. Maybe even go up to seven Yeah, on my side. But it's again, it's because I remember when that's what movies were like. Sure. If I were a younger man, I, I would probably have a harder time appreciating this. Yeah. Um, I, I have a definitive answer to the seminal question of our podcast, though. Okay. Did we see something scary? Go ahead. Absolutely not. No. It's so not scary that I'm really surprised that Peel described it as a horror movie and included it in his canon. Well, do you think that it's just the uh, the duality of the characters is the reason why he, he brought it in? Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go to the end of the episode. What do we think he's doing with this? Yeah. I do think duality. And I wonder if, in some ways, the, the alternates in us mm-hmm. are going to end up being... Not past versions of these characters, but maybe who they could have been Mm -hmm. in a different life, Mm -hmm. you know? There's got to be something about reincarnation or the... Yeah, the, the dual sides of your personality that he's using to pull this right. uh, into into us with, because otherwise it's really inexplicable. And, and of course, unless there's a hypnotic, uh, hypnotizing hypn- hypnotist. Yeah, hypnotist is the word I'm looking for. A hypnotist antiques dealer that's going to be a major part of the story, which... Yeah. Hard to believe. Or somehow he got Robin Williams involved. Scissor statues, maybe? Could be. If he got Robin Williams involved, I'm going to be even more, you know, like, yeah. I, I thought Pill was the man. I'm going to be even more I'll impressed. I'll probably just run around the theater. <laughs> well, 
dangerous to do uh, with a movie that features scissors so prominently. But are we ready to put a bow on this one? Yeah, I think so. All right, guys. So, look, this is a horror movie podcast. We are not reviewing a horror movie this week. No. We thought we were. We thought Jordan Peele told us we were. Um, but I mean, every now and then we we change up. We, we've done a few Batman movies throughout the yeah throughout the year. So. Anyway, uh, this is part of the run-up to Jordan Peele's Us, and so I'm glad we covered it. I just had to go find other horror movies to scratch that itch this this week. Yeah, and you know, this this definitely falls into like the thriller category sure. that so often gets uh, confused with horror, but uh, definitely not a horror movie. So, But again, this is a movie that Jordan Peele wanted his actors to watch in preparation for Us. So somewhere along the line, we're going to realize why that was. And it'll make sense then. So I look forward to the payoff. And listeners, so will you, because you're joining with us on the run-up to us. Yeah. Uh, now, if we're going to talk about an actual horror movie, I'll just tell you. I watched some Japanese horror from 2005 called uh, Noroi, N-O-R-O-I, The Curse. Okay. It's subtitled. Okay. It's found footage. Okay. It was really good. Oh, cool. So if, you're, if you need somebody to suggest a, a horror movie you may not have seen this week, listener, and you may have seen that. I just hadn't. I wish I'd seen it sooner than 14 years after release because it was pretty good. Good. Derek, I know they can find you somewhere in the vicinity of Dayton, Ohio. Where all can our listeners connect with you? Uh, you can find everything out about me at DerekZoo.com. Uh, the new Better Tour is running from now until the end of the month, uh, making stops all over the Midwest and the South. So uh, if I'm in your neck of the woods, come see me. And you totally should do that. Uh, I'm at Right Jeff on most social media platforms. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Scary Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Certainly want to recommend our We Saw Something Scary Facebook group. Continues to grow day by day. And in in providential kindness to us, it seems like everybody who comes in there is a cool, yeah. level-headed, not-internet troll. Yeah. And we're really thankful for the people we're connecting with there. Yeah, it's fun to be able to tell people to take a poop with their pants on and then not get all upset about it. <laughs> I get too worked up about it. I mean, I got mad. I didn't yeah. tell you this. We weren't hanging out. So. Well, that makes sense. I mean, but other than me, it seems like nobody else got it. <laughs> right. I was wondering why I got that bird sent to my house, but now it makes more sense. Guys, if you're willing and able, going to Apple Podcasts, leaving us a five-star review review would be wonderful. We would so appreciate that. Or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, if you can't give us a five-star, we would take whatever you can in honesty give us. That helps other people find the show and helps us know better how to tailor it to uh, what you're looking for. Derek, anything else we got to say to him? No, man, we're, uh, we're doing The Shining next week. Yeah, we're definitely getting back to horror next week. Yeah. So the next movie on Peel's list was The Shining. I'm really surprised we've never covered The Shining. Yeah, I know. And like, a, you know, when we were talking about our 20,000 downloads special, The Shining should have been on that list. Yeah. It just got blown away so quickly that we failed to do it. But yeah, it's time to watch The Shining. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Excuse me, we've been doing this show for two years now, a little over two years, and uh, it's about time that we hit one of the classics. So Absolutely, absolutely. So we've done Halloween, The Exorcist. This is like the third of the Mount Rushmore horror movies. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into it, too. Guys, we're looking forward to getting into it with you as well, so go ahead and watch The Shining. Those of you who've read the book, we'd love to hear from you, too. Give us something to... Uh, to contrast with the film. And uh, anyway, yeah, we're looking forward to being back with you. So thanks for listening to this episode, Derek. I'm going to hand the ball to you, brother. All right, guys. Yeah, again, like Jeff said, thank you so much for uh, for listening. And uh, we'll be back with you guys next week with an all-new episode on The Shining. For Jeff Wright, this is Derek Zoo. Reminding you to stay away from clowns and sewers, blind men with turkey basters, and white people with teacups. See you guys back here next week. Red Rum. Bye-bye, man. <laughs>